right, everybody. Welcome to How to Be a Texan. How you doing, Kevin? <laughs> Great. Yeah? How are you? Oh, man, I'm fantastic. We're going <laughs> to talk about an interesting one today. So, what, uh, summertime? I've been hanging out by the pool today. Well, it it kids. It, it is hot outside. Yeah. So, um, but no, we're going to oh. talk about something that happens as a result of African heat. Now, that's odd. That's what we're going to talk about. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Well, I hope so. Hurricanes are a result, not cyclones, but hurricanes, hurricanes. are a result of the wind sweeping across African deserts mm-hmm. all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, whipping up into a frenzy, into a hurricane, and then bashing into our coast. Yep. It is weird to watch how they form over there and just kind of shoot straight towards the Gulf of Mexico or the uh, East Coast. That's right. That's right. There's a very clear path oh, for it is. where they come from. That's right. And, and we know that now, but we didn't know that back in 1900. Mm. And you know why I say that? Because today I want to talk about a historic event. And that was the 1900 Galveston hurricane. That was a doozy. It was a doozy. It was a big one. So that was known as the worst natural killer in U.S. history. Some might say a Texas size hurricane. Texas size hurricane that was that was deadly, deadly. So um, let's get into that in just a little bit. But first of all, a little bit of backstory on what a hurricane is. So all that is is a hurricane is a strong. Uh, a storm with a violent wind, in particular a tropical cyclone in the Caribbean. In case that someone has had their head under a rock for and the didn't past know what decade and well, doesn't know what a hurricane There may be babies is. listening. <laughs> <laughs> there may be like little three-year-olds. And oh, so we're teaching them. that you know. was that Katrina thing. Huh. I and wonder are, what that was. And what are they called <laughs> if, if a hurricane hits the Philippines? What are they called? I don't know. It's something different. It's not a hurricane. Know. Yeah, because it doesn't originate off of Africa. It's not a cyclone. It's a... Monsoon? No, that's close, though. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I will look that up here, and I'll have an answer shortly. It's something totally different than a hurricane. It's a funky word, but it's a good one. Typhoon. Typhoon. Thank you, Kendra. Typhoon. See, a hurricane is on this side of the world. A typhoon's on that one. Where do typhoons originate? Jersey? New Jersey? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, if, most bad things come out of New Jersey. Well, but think about it. If we, we shoot a, them straight towards the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, from Jersey, the winds whip across the country <laughs> over to the Philippines, and they gain a head of steam and then crash into the All Philippines. Right, we're way off topic. <laughs> Just saying, it could happen. Specifically from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you follow the example, the winds across the Sahara generate Texas-sized hurricanes. Jersey starts it, and it has to go <laughs> all the way past whatever. Fuji and... Nothing good comes out of Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, going back to this. So um, I'm not even sure. I'm going to tell you a little bit of history on hurricanes. But um, on on the severity scale... They there is something called the Saffir Simpson Hurricane Wind Scale, and, mm-hmm. and they grade those one to five. And so, just real quickly, uh, I don't know what the 1900 hurricane was, but we'll get to it. It had to be something really bad. But this was only developed back by a couple of um, really smart dudes that work for the uh, National Hurricane Center and a civil engineer. Uh, Saffer was the engineer. Simpson was the uh, U.S. National Hurricane Center guy. And they came up with this one through five uh, rating system. 
and so these are for just hurricanes. I don't know about typhoons. The 1900 hurricane was a Category 4. Category 4. Mm-hmm. So that's a doozy. That's the, that's so the let, biggest one. So let's go. No, no, no. No, it can be a 5. Oh, so oh there, you're right. There is a 5. Yeah, there's a 5. So let's go worst to best. So a 5 is going to be catastrophic damage, 157 miles per hour wind or higher, and it's super bad. Super bad. I don't even know how to say that other than super bad. So 157 miles an hour. Uh, category 4 is catastrophic, 130 miles to 156 miles per hour. Um, well-built frame homes can sustain dam- severe damage with loss of most of the roof, et cetera. I think in, in fives, it's just like everything's gone via mm-hmm. water and, yeah. da- and wind. And then threes are 111 mile an hour. Twos are 96 to 110 mile an hour. And then ones are 74 to 95, which is nothing to scoff at. Very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine a 95 mile an hour wind coming at you with oodles of rain in it oh i've ridden my bike in 95 mile per hour before it's i remember when you rode your bike out in an ice storm that was the dumbest thing i ever said you call me and you're like hey man you want to go ride a bike i'm like dude it's ice outside it was beautiful that day the snow Our little on the side of the road like what 10 millimeters wide i even told you that i'm like man you're gonna wipe out it was great you missed it there was no wipe out yeah, it was that was a bad decision. No, I have ridden into 30-mile-per-hour winds, and that is really, really hard. I could not fathom 95-mile-per-hour wind. And that's only a Category 1. And that's only one. Category 1. So if you're Category 5, that's 157 miles per hour or worse with crazy rain in there. So it just says most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks or months after one of the Category 5s comes through. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. I think Rita, Rita was a 4 and Katrina was a, I think it was a five for a bit. And then it came down to a three and then popped back up to a four. I can find that real quick. Yeah. So Katrina was a bad boy. The bad thing is there was all this crazy damage that happened as a result of uh, Katrina with Lake Pontchartrain and the dams coming down and basically oh, yeah. flooding the city. It was a cat five. It was cat Katrina five. Katrina was cat five yeah. and then uh, Rita. Okay, so going back to uh, her, so first of all, we we just had Harvey come through last year in Rita, Houston. Rita and, was a cat five. Yeah, so we had a double. So we had Rita and Katrina come through basically New Orleans at cat fives, what, three weeks away? I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of bad luck is that? And then Harvey was a cat four. Cat four, but the interesting thing about Harvey was it just it sat stayed there. stayed over Houston for a long 56 time. 56 inches of rain. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to a buddy about this because I, I work with a ton of people down in Houston. And so they were talking about the, you know, we'd only heard about the 500-year floodplain. Well, anyway, they come up with this 800-year floodplain. And then I just heard a new term last week. A guy said that it, it crested over the 2,000-year floodplain. Who has a 2,000-year floodplain? What does that even mean? I don't know. But I just heard that term last week. That well, that's Har- like the floodplain when Jesus was here. Exactly. <laughs> I guess he said it. I guess Jesus told us what the flood level would be. <laughs> I don't even understand. I don't either. But that's what I just heard last week, that, that, that Harvey caused the 2,000-year floodplain to crest over that. Interesting. Are, with 56 inches of rain in three days. So anyway, going back to... Um, Going back to the 1900 Great Galveston Hurricane, 
There's some interesting stuff around that. Um, there's a book, and the reason why we're talking about this, Kevin, is not only is it is it Texas history, and it's something really, really bad that happened in the U.S. Uh, it happened in a time where there wasn't the technology and there wasn't any warning systems, but there was the U.S. meteorology um, system, and they were tracking, and the phone was around, and they were able to cable each other back and forth about, uh, I don't know if the phone, wait a minute, was the phone here? The phone wasn't here in 1900. They had the, uh, they were able to like uh, Morse code each other back and forth. What was that? Telegrams. Telegrams. Yeah, we could telegram each other. And, um, and they were tracking it. And so there was a guy named Isaac Klein, who was a meteorologist, the lead meteorologist sitting on the island of, uh, of Galveston. And this book that I literally started last night, it's called Isaac's Storm, A Man, a Time, and the Deadliest Hurricane in History. And so far, it's really, really good. So I'd encourage you all to read it. Um, and it talks about, and it's unfortunate because um, Isaac Klein is not portrayed terribly well in this. He's, he's kind of portrayed as a little bit pompous and full of himself when actually others had been giving him a heads up. It's like, dude, um, there's some weird things happening with the weather. Uh, there's this massive heat wave. There's this tropical storm that just went over Cuba. We've got ships out in the Gulf of Mexico. that are telling us this thing is kind of growing. He's seeing the tide go out and kind of ripple effects on some weird wave dynamics. And his brother, who he thought was kind of an idiot, was telling him this, that, hey, dude, this is not right. Something's mm-hmm. going on. There was a uh, where all these other kind of manifestations of really, really bad weather uh, predictions around crazy heat up in the U.S. Northeast, uh, massive, uh, like, cricket infestations. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, power of God type stuff that summer going into this September. And so what happened is this... Uh, well, it says he had written an article in 1891 he was a good meteorologist he wrote an article in 1891 in the galveston daily news and this was 1891 nine years before the thing happened yeah but he wrote this article saying that uh in his uh, meteorological opinion that the idea of a hurricane ever doing any serious harm to galveston was quote a crazy idea right because I think the worst that they had seen in, in our history, and again, 1900, just think about it. That's Texas really just kind of yeah. forming up. Well, and, you know, they had been calling for the creation of a seawall mm-hmm. to protect the city. Okay. And this kind of shut that down. Okay. And that, and yeah, because I think what he had said was there was a tropical storm that had hit 20 years or whatever before. And it had caused some damage, but it wasn't that big a deal, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but something had to be going on if the residents were already wanting a seawall to be built to protect oh, yeah. them. Yeah. And he, his article basically shut it down. Right. And so I think, you know, part of the issue is if he had have not prevented that, the seawall might have made the 1900 hurricane a little right. less devastating. Right. And so, um, the interesting thing, again, and I, I'm just getting into it, but, but it was by the chart of the, the path of this hurricane. It really came to a head uh, in the way they looked at it is it really formed up and got to that. And you said it was category four by the time it hit and it hit directly into basically the beaches of Galveston. Mm-hmm. And and the interesting thing was their um, Klein's wife died in that storm Oh, and she was pregnant with their child. Yeah. Klein nearly drowned, but he managed to survive and he saved his youngest daughter 
Okay. Uh, who was six years old. Well, and yeah, so not only did he, you know, have a an effect because of the seawall issue, then his family was very heavily per- affected by perished. it. It's a pretty sad story. Very, yeah. very, very sad. Um, the in, so the death toll, and they say this is the the worst U.S. death toll uh, of any of any storm, and the guesses are anywhere from six to twelve thousand. Now he did play a good role uh, in his autobiography, which I don't know if that's what you're reading or if you're reading something different. Something different. He claims that he took it upon himself to travel along the beach and other areas, warning people personally of the storm and okay. the approach to get out of there. And um, he actually broke protocol by making a unilateral decision to issue a hurricane warning without going through the Bureau's central office in Washington, D.C. So, you know, he felt in the end that he was able to save thousands of lives because of his decision not to wait for approval and to go and help. But so, you know, I think there's kind of a... Mixed bag on, yeah, maybe if he hadn't have written that article, the seawall might have helped, but then right. kind of in the moment, he really kind of... He may have rallied. He, he, he rallied a little bit to try to help help save some things there. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to curse um, Isaac Klein or the memory of him. I'm just saying that it was, um, you know, the Galveston at the time was really coming to life. It was, there were 38,000 people there. It was being seen as the, the New York of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, it was rivaling, uh, New Orleans as far as a seaport. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, it was, you know, there were millionaires and millionaires all along Broadway, which, uh, you know, and they, there was a lot of, you know, just show of, of riches and wealth. And, um, and so it was, it was a spectacular time for, for Galveston, which was coming up and it was trying to really beat out Houston as the premier port city for Texas. Hmm. And um, the, the problem, though, is, you know, Houston being inland, uh, it had some elevation. And so it can survive uh, this. But the highest point at that time on Galveston Island was 8.7 feet above sea level. Hmm. And with this storm surge, um, it went well beyond that and stayed well beyond that for some time. And so, uh, and, and again, going back to today, so Kevin, what, what you and I would do if we lived down in Houston or we lived along the coast at Corpus or Padre or wherever, we would know that now. We would see it coming in. Mm-hmm. We would prepare. There would be all these warnings that came in and said, get out. And then you have all these hurricane evacuation routes where basically like they'll turn 45, Interstate 45, they'll turn both sets of lanes going north Mm -hmm. and so they'll shut down the southbound and we'll just all go north and you'll have 8 16 24 lanes that are going across up to to the north to get out of there so today it's pretty amazing how we warn people and we get out or you don't you know and you you take your chances and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people obviously that do that Uh, but back then in 1900 there wasn't much of that they tried to put as best they could um, some data together, but there, as is, is what I'm reading right now in this really good book, is that it was pretty limited. I mean, it's like, huh, that's odd, and then all of a sudden, uh, three hours later, you know, a Cat Four hurricane rolls right over your face. Yeah. and there was a lot more manual kind of 
you know, obviously manual work being done, right? Yeah. So his client's brother, uh, Joseph, was also a meteorologist, and he was a stellar meteorologist, and he had helped to kind of predict looking at some things that were happening. Uh, and I don't even know how they looked at things back then or how they even had the data, but well, yeah, they, they had ways to... They had ways to look at it, but they didn't necessarily have, you know, like the satellite technology or stuff no, like no. that, obviously. But they had other ways of predicting, and so, but so, they didn't have the communication technologies either, right? Oh, no. So you could kind of figure it out, but then how do you, number one, make sure you're right. Right. And then number two, how do you get the word out when you have no communication infrastructure other than maybe, you know, telegrams like you were saying. But it sounds like this guy was literally going in a boat up and down the island saying, you know, something's coming, get out of here. You know, so just the advantages that we have today on right. technology to be able to track that, you know, as soon as it forms in Africa all the way. And, you know, we'll see, okay, it could go into the Gulf, could go hit the East Coast. And when it goes into the Gulf, you know, it could go to New Orleans. You know, we track it all along the way now and right. with instant communication. Um, it's just really mind-boggling to think, you know, right. what could have been going on in 1900. It's just hard to even wrap your mind around it. No, that that's right. Well, this storm, uh, and I agree. Uh, so the signs that could have helped to avoid this, I don't, I don't know if if they existed with the technology they had, they had back in the time. But there was, you know, there there was communication around that this this tropical storm had just gone over Cuba. Ships out in the Gulf were noticing it and and reporting back on it. Uh, but I'm not sure that was getting back or being acted on uh, at the time. Uh, the storm itself ended ended up tracking. Uh, from, you know, obviously generating out of Africa, going over Cuba to Galveston, and then it kind of circled back up through the northeast, went all the way across the U.S., and ended and petered out at, at Iceland, believe it or not. Oh, wow. So it had a huge track on it. That's intense. So not only did it kill all those people over in, um, uh, in Galveston, but it had a deadly effect with the rainstorms all the way across uh, the U.S. as it, it tracked back. Some of the stats on Galveston, uh, they estimate anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000 people were killed. Yeah. 3,600 yeah. buildings were de- destroyed. Yeah. So, it, And obviously they rebuilt it, but it never never regained its, uh, st- you know, status. No. And that is when Houston kind of took over. But they did build the seawall as a result of that. Right. Um, the the one of the one of the really sweet stories that um, really has become Texas legend, and and I've been I've been in healthcare my whole career, and and I've done work for a lot of the Roman Catholic organizations. One of them that was a client of mine was the Sisters of Charity, um, and the Sisters of Charity they had an orphanage um, down in Galveston at the time, and um, to to that point they had uh, ten nuns and uh and then 90 orphans Mm. and so and it was called uh saint mary's orphans asylum Mm. that sounds pretty bad that sounds weird yeah i'm sure asylum had a different meaning back then though it sounds yeah like it was just an orphanage yeah so it was an orphanage on the island and um so what happened they had a two-story building and um and, and when they saw the storm coming and the floodwaters approaching and, and rising, they ended up getting up on the second floor of, of that building. It, they, they took as many as they could. So they operated this orphanage, and then they operated a hospital, and it was called St. Mary's Infirmary. And that's where I have the tie. Literally, I have a tie to that one. Um, and, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. So there were two buildings, and so they, they tried to get as many as they could 
to the hospital uh, because it was a stronger base. It had a second floor, and they could get up to that. Um, but at the orphanage itself, uh, the floodwaters came. Uh, they got on the second floor. Uh, the surge came after that, ended up taking, moving the house, the orphanage off its foundation, broke out the bottom, and they all flooded. Um, the only ones that survived, there were three young men that had crawled up on the roof, and, um, but the, each of the nuns had tied themselves to six or eight young kids, and mm-hmm. so they were basically uh, all drowned. Uh, they found a couple of the sisters still clutching um, you know, a couple of kids each and that had gone all the way over to the mainland, mm-hmm. and they were still tied up together to the children, and they were clutching them even in death. Wow. Which, was uh, that's an incredible story very very sad but very, very moving very much so um so the the story that i have which is not moving at all it's uh, quite depressing um is back in, in i don't know 95 whenever i started my career uh one of my first jobs was i had a partner here um and he said hey kyle i need you to go down to galveston um and utmb which is the giant teaching hospital down there uh they were buying this hospital st mary's and so my job was just to do my partner said at arthur anderson he just said kyle go down there and do whatever the cfo tells you and so i'm like yes sir and so i went down here i am this green guy i go down there they buy the facility and close it down Hmm. they fire everybody and close it down and they did it as a defensive uh move which i mean because back in the day hca was coming on and it was it was a real threat and St. Mary's was, you know, it was not doing well at all. And um, anyway, so my job was to go and... So un- this is, this, this is uh, what's the connection? This used to be that orphanage? This was that hospital. And I went and I closed it. But it was the orphanage that the nuns were in or... It was the orphanage where a lot of them... Uh, I was sorry. It's the hospital where a lot of them. Oh, a lot of people found went. refuge. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. And I and it you. was probably three or four building <laughs> generations later where they yeah. probably knocked that down. And yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I was, you know. But anyway, my job was to unfortunately close it. <laughs> Way to go, man. Yeah. So I felt <laughs> quite bad about that. So matter of fact, I got to be buddies with the security guard there at it, and and on the last day, I'm like, well, give me the keys and your job is no longer i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm such a jerk but uh anyway that's rough yeah not as rough as a cat four hurricane but no 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 not at all but uh, galveston i mean galveston itself even now today i mean it has certainly rebuilt it's not you know houston is by far more uh you know a dominant kind of city but uh, houston is phenomenal um, Galveston has a lot of uh, cruise ship business now. It does. A lot of cruises go in and out of there. Yeah. 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 Tons of them. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, I thought I thought the book that I'm I'm reading and then this story alone, I just didn't know much about this, but uh, really, really sad story um, about, you know, this major, major hurricane that hit, you know. Deadliest natural disaster in American history? Yeah. Point blank. I mean, it just, they just didn't even know it was coming and just bam. Yeah you know and just hammered them you know and if it's 8.7 feet up and it's a 20 foot surge mm-hmm. the whole island's underwater yeah so yep you know and so it said out of 38,000 people it displaced about 30,000 of them wow so they basically had to rebuild the island wow yeah so 
Anyway, good stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like to try to keep it light, but this one's kind of hard, I right? thought we were talking about, you know, hanging out by the pool in summertime. Well, I like that. Hanging but, out on uh, the beach. <laughs> no, this one, uh, I, I chose a dark path here. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not dark. I mean, it's part of Texas history, part of American history, actually, is the deadliest event, you know, right. natural disaster in American history. So. Right. Right. So, um, so but that, it, and it's good to you know kind of look back on that and then be thankful for the technologies that we have today that would prevent well, you know such devastation from happening. No, that's right. That's uh, right. So now we, I, you know, I encourage us just as as hurricane season starts for us now, um, I just say stay vigilant. You know, let's keep watching and try to stay as safe as we can. Yeah. Well, up here in Dallas, it's not, uh, you know. I mean, we just kind of keep an eye on our friends down in Houston when this happens, and if they need a place to, you know, come, you know, open up. But luckily, we don't get, you know, too much from these other than some rain mm-hmm. things of that nature. So. No, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, that's it for this week. All right. So thanks for listening. Look us up on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker. Leave us a review. Adios. Adios.